Hello, everyone, and welcome to KPMG in Canada's Real Estate Podcast Series. I'm your host, Tom Rothfisher, National Industry Leader for our real estate practice, and today we'll be taking a closer look at estate planning for owners in the real estate industry. Joining me for this episode is Lauren Schillinger, National Leader of our Real Estate Tax Network and the Family Office Leader for the Greater Toronto Area. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Tom. Looking forward to a great conversation. So, Lauren, in our last podcast, Hockey, Steve, and I, we talked about succession planning for privately owned real estate companies, what this really means for our clients and the possible implications if formal plans weren't developed. And one of the big issues raised was related to situations where a family member inherits a very large tax liability when the owner passes. The challenge here for private real estate organizations is that there's no liquidity available to fund the liability. And the sale of the assets may take some time or it just may not be a good time in the market cycle to do so. So estate planning, in addition to succession planning, we know is very important for our clients to consider when looking to understand how either to cap or to fund a potential liability. So to that end, why don't we have you set the stage for us here? Can you tell us a little bit about what estate planning is, what it means for owners of real estate organizations, what's involved in the process, and ultimately, what are the pitfalls you're trying to avoid when going through this process? Okay, so to set the stage, why you need to do estate planning is because in Canada, on death of an individual or on the second to pass of two spouses, an individual is taxed on the accrued capital gains on property owned other than certain properties such as your principal residence, which is generally tax-free. Estate planning has to be a thoughtful process of reviewing an individual's assets and doing advanced planning for how those assets are to be transferred to the next generation in a tax-efficient manner. It also is important that the wishes of the individual and who gets those assets is specifically addressed. It requires the input of your accountant, tax advisor, lawyer, and it has to consider more than just income tax. U.S. estate tax must be considered if you're a U.S. citizen or green card holder. And in Ontario, for example, there's probate tax that should also be thought of and planned for. It is especially important when an individual owns shares of private companies. In that example, you have to consider both the personal tax on death, on the assets held by the individual, and you have to consider the um, assets within the company and any accrued gains that exist within the corporation. And an excellent estate plan has to consider both the personal tax on the personal assets held and the corporate tax on the corporate assets. And you have to consider both. The purpose of estate planning is really to provide an orderly and well-planned transition of wealth with no surprises. So look, that's a great walkthrough and I appreciate that. I understand that. It makes perfect sense. But speaking of the different elements of the estate plan, I know that drafting a will is a fundamental step in the planning process. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what issues will need to be thought of when creating one and how does this come to play here? So the will has to govern and consider every property owned by the individual, every piece of real estate, every home, every vacation property, their registered and non-registered investment accounts, all their insurance policies, really everything that is held by the individual, shares of their holding companies, again, every single asset held by the individual. You have to decide on who your trustees are going to be. They have to implement your wishes as you set out in the will. And the will has to contemplate, again, who gets what each property 
And when each person gets that property as set out in the will, the selection of trustees is very important as well because they're the ones charged with governance. And especially for complex estates, you really do need deep expertise and experience. One of the factors that has to be considered is Ontario estate administration tax, which is commonly called probate, uh, which is, again, it's a ability of the court to approve the actions of the trustees. But there's a charge for that. It's one and a half percent of the value of the estate, other than small estates that are exempt. And certain institutions require that certificate before they will take instructions from a trustee. Sounds like that could get pretty expensive, Lauren. I'm wondering if there are any specific probate planning considerations that you could bring to the attention of our listeners. For sure, Tom. There's certainly a few that come to mind. Certainly, I'll outline the more common ones. The use of two wills, both a public and private will, particularly where you have shares of private companies where the other shareholders don't actually require you to have that probate certificate, they could be dealt with in a private will that does not need to be probated. And it could just be dealt with by the trustees making decisions and working with legal counsel to deal with those assets. No bank or other institution involved in that planning. For personal real estate, again, the best example would be your principal residence. It's very common that the home is held jointly between two spouses. And again, as a matter of law, not by the will, the real estate passes to the surviving spouse and co-owner. For the registered investment accounts, such as your RSP, your RIF, TFSA, it's important that at the institution where the account is held, that you actually have named beneficiaries. And again, that beneficiary designation allows the asset to pass outside of the will as a matter of law. There's also very advanced planning that an individual can do during their lifetime through the use of innovative trusts, such as joint spousal, common law partner, or alter ego trusts. And the purpose of that planning is that the asset is dealt with during the person's lifetime and it's not dealt with in the will. The other matter that I would raise in terms of this type of planning is again, if the person who's passed or his or her heirs are US citizen, you really do have to do even more work because you have to consider both the Canadian income tax and the US estate tax considerations when you do that type of planning. And definitely it would be important to engage a US estate tax advisor in that circumstance. So Lauren, that, that was really helpful and uh, certainly helped me understand what I need to consider when putting together a will. I'm wondering if we can then maybe go back for a second and further discuss how we address the estate tax liability. I know we've, we've said before that it poses a real challenge for privately owned real estate organizations to fund. And so I'd like to talk about you know, how to fund it and, and what our clients should consider. So as you said at the outset, Tom, real estate is an illiquid asset, and it's probably the biggest issue that I face in my own practice as well. The problem is timing, because when a person passes and has a personal estate tax liability, the tax is due as early as April 30th of the following year. So you have a year, year and change in order to fund that liability. And if the family's planning to sell a piece of real estate to fund that liability, you're at the mercy of the market. Again, you don't want the pressure of a for sale because that may impact the amount of money that you may actually collect uh, in order to sell the property. There is an ability though, if you elect that personal liability, that final estate tax liability that's in the final return, you can use CRA as your banker and pay that tax over a 10 year period. They do charge interest for that. You do have to post security. 
and the interest rate fluctuates quarterly. Today, it's 6%, so it's not inexpensive money. The other part of funding the tax liability, again, the use of insurance is very common, where properly purchased and structured insurance is very tax effective, can most likely be received tax-free, and again, it provides liquidity to, to fund the tax liability. The third way that we see families planning for the estate tax liability and how to pay it is on a slow and steady basis, creating a liquidity pool of really creating liquid investments, unlike the real estate, that could be sold as needed whenever that the estate tax liability arises. I like that idea of a liquidity pool. I'm just wondering what happens when you end up with you know, cash and investments? What do you have to consider in those situations? So the biggest thing that has to be considered is really the credit worthiness and making sure that that capital is there for the long term. Our families that have used a liquidity pool concept or a reserve fund concept have typically invested in a stable bond portfolio, not looking to capture the upside of the market, but really just looking for capital preservation and reduced risk. But that portfolio has to be properly managed. And again, some of our families have actually created a family office to help manage that wealth. And again, it might be beyond just a bond portfolio as a family's liquid wealth increases significantly. But many of our families of wealth look to a more disciplined approach to investing and underwriting their investments. And so again, whether it's an internal family office or a KPMG family office on an outsourced basis to really look at how, how that wealth should be managed, coming up with a strategy for the wealth, and then selecting investment advisors. Again, those are things that we commonly help our clients with. So I know we talked about paying the tax, but can we talk for a moment about how to cap it and what that would look like, how you'd go about doing that, and you know what exactly is an estate freeze? So an estate freeze, Tom, is probably the most common aspect of estate planning and, and a good estate plan. It is exactly what you said. It's a freeze of the individual's wealth so that it doesn't get any greater and it can be quantified. So typically what happens is the individual will take the common shares that they hold in their corporation and will exchange them for fixed value preferred shares. At that point, the future growth in value can accrue to anybody. The value of the company gets converted into these fixed value preferred shares. The individual then has a certain amount of wealth. There's a certain amount of tax on that amount, and it can be managed during the individual's lifetime, slowly redeemed and slowly eliminated on a methodical basis over time, or it's known and can be funded. The key then is who gets the new common shares because they enjoy the future growth and value of the corporation, and it gives you the ability to pass it on to the next generation. When we do this type of planning, voting control is very important because again, the families want an ability to separate who has wealth and who has control. And the point is that you should be able to make those decisions separately. The selection of beneficiaries of the trust is very important as well, because again, typically it's a discretionary family trust where the trustees are given the power to pass that future growth to any of the beneficiaries. Again, it's an individual's wish. It does not have to be discretionary. It could be fixed. But the benefit is that the future growth then accrues to these new beneficiaries. And to the extent that an individual wants the ability to unwind the freeze and take back the wealth themselves, 
they could appoint themselves as a beneficiary of the same trust, not effectively a, a freeze, more like an estate gel, but it's still possible planning if for any reason the individual wants to undo the freeze. This doesn't sound like a, a simple exercise and something that clients should take uh, very seriously and take their time and consider all of the implications. As you look to your own practice, are there certain pieces, certain additional considerations that you think we should let our listeners hear about? So what I've learned in leading the GTA KPMG family office is really not just to dive in and deal with the technical aspects, but to consider the impacts on the family and the future generations. Are they able to manage wealth? Does the family share the same goals and aspirations? What is the purpose of their wealth? And so these are very critical things that have to be considered. The governance of the organization, how are decisions being made, whether it's today or in the future when the founding generations pass, and then the education of the rising generations to make sure that they're very capable to make those decisions. They're all aspects of a good estate plan and a good estate freeze that should be considered. And so again, not just diving in to deal with the technical parts of the plan, but to really work with the KPMG family office or any family enterprise advisor to really understand the impact it has on the family before you dive in to deal with the technical aspects. Lauren, I wish we had more time. I've learned so much here today. You've given me a lot of food for thought. I thought it was a, a great discussion and uh, you were you were super insightful. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Before I let you go, are there any other final words of advice you have for our listeners before we wrap up? Really four things, Tom. Number one, involve experienced tax and legal professionals. It takes a team, not just an individual, and everybody brings something of value to the planning. The best advice is to be prepared, take a long-term view. Some of these plans can be achieved over a long period of time where you can ultimately eliminate the estate tax liability. Again, it's to be prepared. As I said before, consider the multi-generational impact of the family, not just the technical aspects of it. And again, lastly, remembering that it's a long-term strategic process. Fantastic. Lauren, thanks again for joining us today. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you all for tuning in. Join us for more real estate content on our industry podcast as we continue to share the latest trends and insights with you on our KPMG Podbytes platform. Bye for now. Bye.